Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are doing a movie that, you know, for the most part is pretty good, but in terms of like, we're going to get very scripty, script yes. heavy into the scripts. Like that's really, that's really the problem. So this might be like a surprising choice. Yeah. But... Cause it doesn't, it's not. Because it's, it's not really not like a bad romantic comedy. No. That's not how you would define it. Yeah, it's not. But I do feel like there isn't really like a forum for us like culturally to talk about the modern rom-com like as like a full genre. You know what I mean? Because there's no like, there, and not that there ever really was a monoculture, but there was a time when like a rom-com came out and everyone had an opinion on it. Like I, when I was a kid, it was like that in the two thousand, in the early to mid two thousands, it was still like that. And then sometime around the twenty tens, it just, I think like post knocked up, everybody just stopped caring and stopped talking about it. So. I wanted an opportunity to talk about something that's not necessarily bad, but like in terms of where we are as a culture, we probably should be talking about it. Yeah, I completely feel the same. I think that, yeah, the last decade or so, rom-coms are something that either feels like this super marketed Netflix turned out, you know, it's funny maybe, but everyone knows that it's bad and they're not really going to talk about it unless they admittedly are like, I like, you know, I like Christmas Prince, but, but it's not talked about in the same way as you've got mail or a lot of the rom-coms that came out in the nineties or early thousands. It's not really given the same mainstream look. And by look, I just mean people actually watching it and engaging with it. Yeah. Yeah. This like, this, I'm looking up this movie. It premiered at, it premiered at Outfest in 2019, which is important to point out that I now work for Outfest. I'm a programmer for Outfest. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah. yeah, but this was before my time. I wasn't there. So, and you know, distributed by Strand Releasing and Strand Releasing does like a lot of like, if you were looking for you know, more like strange work or queer work strand releasing is a good place to look. Now I'm just, I'm just going full programmer here. I haven't even said the name of the movie. The name of the movie is Straight Up, which is written and directed and starring James Sweeney and Katie Findlay, who was most known for, for a while she was most known for being in The Killing. I think she's the girl in, I've never watched it. Um, but I did watch all the seasons of Man Seeking Woman with with my boyfriend recently, and it's great. And she's in season three, and she's really, really good in it. And it's such an interesting show because it's like it's like it's called Man Seeking Woman. It's just like about a guy named Josh trying to date. But by the time he does like fall for the girl that he ends up with, played by Katie, there are a bunch of episodes dedicated to her. And, like, what her journey is like in that relationship, too, which I thought was really interesting. And and Katie brings a lot of that, you know, nuance here, too, where it's like, it's obviously a show not, it's obviously a film that's not supposed to focus on her. Like, she's the co-lead, 
But you know what I mean? It's not yeah. a movie about her. But she is she... not the main character. Like, the main character is James Sweeney. She is obviously the closest to the second main character because they are on screen the most together. But yeah, she is not the center of it. But she brings so much energy and nuance to it. And I think some of the nuance I do, and we'll get we'll get into this, I do think some of the nuance was put in the script there for her. And I do think that James Sweeney wanted her character to be layered but I think she brought layers that hadn't been fully fleshed out in the script yeah absolutely the script also has Dana Drury who I had never seen before who plays like so like the main characters are like there's Todd played by played by the director and then there's Rory played by Katie Finley and then there's um Dana Drury who plays Meg who's like one of Todd's best friends and like a model and I have to, she was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Every single time she opened her mouth, it was great. Oh, <laughs> she yeah. Was great. She was awful. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> like, she was awful in a really realistic way. I mean, obviously, sometimes the lines were cartoonish, but in a way that people can be cartoonish, where, like, she's just, like, very much an L.A. model. Like, she knows that she can network. She knows that, like, her and her model boyfriend are hot. She kind of gives people compliments that are shady. You know, it's very like, oh, nice, nice choice. And she's not trying to be catty. She just is. And if I mean, you, yeah, yeah. And if you watch the show, um, the HBO show, which I, I very much used to watch and love, Suburgatory, she's very similar to the character Dahlia in that, where it's like, she's supposed to be a dumb blonde, but like, it's clear that she is intelligent in a lot of ways and a lot of the time she's like just not interested in other people as opposed to not understanding them if that makes sense oh for sure I feel like the character <laughs> of Meg I don't feel like she is haplessly accidentally like poking people's buttons I think she knows she's doing it I think she falls in that great space where she's smart enough to know what she's doing but she's not like a manipulator who's trying to stir the pot she's just kind of sprinkling things in the pot and like seeing what's happening and just vibing and sometimes yeah. I think she's letting people assume things about her because it's easier to do that but I yeah she she brought a lot of personality also Randall Park plays Todd's dad what a weird character. I mean, both of his parents are so weird. Betsy Brandt plays his mom, and she's from Breaking Bad, a show that I've never watched, but I'm sure she's very good on it. And we also have Tracy Thumbs as his therapist, because, you know, we got to have a Black woman therapist. I've only had one Black woman therapist in, in like, 10 years of therapy, but every person in a movie who is not Black has one. Um I know. It is so <laughs> funny how that is a thing, like... The overrepresentation of black female therapists when in real life it's really hard to find one. I don't know who started it, but it seems to be accelerating and you see it more and more on screen. I feel like it wasn't it like in the episode of Ellen where she comes out, doesn't she like talk to Oprah? Like maybe maybe Oprah is kind of like Oh, that's hilarious. I <laughs> I actually I, I okay, I will admit it, I never watched her show at all. Like no, Ellen, I mean, Ellen's sitcom, which I mean, now I know that that's good because we all know that she's like shitty as a person, but I, I didn't watch it before I knew well, I mean, and not as a choice. I just didn't see it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like watch it on purpose. Like I had a TV history class and my TV history class was very focused on like women and the sitcom, which was funny because it was, it was done by a guy. He was just like a, 
it was taught by a guy who just really loved women really thought that women were funny you know okay. i hope that he's i hope that he's doing well i hope that he's thriving i i, <laughs> I respect him thank you sir for your work <laughs> and recognizing <laughs> <laughs> um also we have james scully playing writer one of the most like annoying and infuriating characters in this which makes sense because it's the same guy who plays 40 in you in the in the netflix series you and that took me a minute to make that connection i i was like why do i know this guy and then i didn't recognize the actor's actual name and then i was like oh you okay i got it yeah, well, he has, like, much shorter hair on you. Like, yeah. He's like a, yeah. <laughs> he looks really different because, like, he was on you the same year as this. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's funny. It's not even, like, a time jump. It's just, like, he's styled so differently and the context is so different that he doesn't look the same. Yes, yes. So Straight Up is an interesting premise. It's about a, it's about a guy, Todd. And Todd is worried that he's going to be alone for the rest of his life. And he's talking to his therapist about it. And he has convinced himself that he is alone because he's not actually gay. And that's why he hasn't been able to find the right man. He should be looking for the right woman. And he comes to this conclusion. And his therapist, like, and I just, I... You know, I feel for all Black women in situations where they have to just, like, watch a person just be completely delusional and just be like, yeah, this is, this is, this is what it's like. (laughs) She just, but she doesn't, the thing is, is that, like, she's also, like, a little sarcastic with it. Like, I mean, I'm not a therapist, so I don't know what the right protocol is, but she's just... She's just really just chilling and like really just letting him <laughs> yeah, go down like, this road. She's not overtly encouraging him and she's definitely not speaking to say what his sexuality is or isn't, but she's just kind of leaving the door open for him to work it all out in front of her because she's like, okay, he's obviously needs to figure this out for himself. He is going to talk at me about this. That is kind of my job. I am not going to like green light everything he's saying but I'm also not going to fully red light it so she's just kind of there and you could just see a lot in her micro expressions and it's not even that in her micro expression she's like oh this guy's definitely just gay and like he's not bi and he's not into women at all it's just that she's she you can tell that she's tired <laughs> and she's like okay yeah 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 <laughs> like her like looking at it, she's just like sure and like there's a part where she points out that like his parents pay her which makes me feel like you know i feel like that's something i feel like your parents picking your therapist is really weird when you're not in high school anymore so i don't know if it's like she was his therapist in high school too and she's just been with him for so long and she's like she's just like tired of him and irritated with him or whatever but it just doesn't seem like I mean, I feel like I'm just like getting really into the weeds here, but it is weird to be like your parents just, maybe it's just because I'm not rich. I'm not even middle class. So I don't even really know what that is. Like somebody just like hiring someone. I, so my interpretation, I mean, I thought it was funny that she says that. Um, I, I didn't think that they picked her out for him. I think that they just like, were like, oh, you need therapy. 
we'll pay for it. Kind of like we'll pay for your phone bill. Just like we'll Venmo you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I kind of assumed that Todd found her himself. Maybe not through a lot of intentionality, but I just assumed like this was the movie's way of telling us that his parents still financially help out. And to me, it was like, because he's having such an existential crisis about like his sexuality and his loneliness and like what he wants. I read it as this is letting us know this is kind of another area where he's not fully on his own. Yeah. I mean, I I get that part, but like, I guess it's like you're an adult and you're trying to figure out who you are. And you know, I'm very intentional when picking therapists, like even, even when I was still like, like 19, I was still very intentional about it. And this woman, not saying that she's not capable, but like, it's almost like he picked someone specifically who wasn't going to challenge him very much. I don't know. I just feel like it's a bad pairing of therapist and subject. Well, and I, it was really annoying me. Yeah, I agree. I felt like they had a weird, like, I just felt like there was a gulf of experience between them. And the point isn't that you need to go to a therapist who has, like, all of your life experiences or identities. But I did feel like there was just such a massive gap between how they viewed the world. And and th- I'm saying this, and it, it, we we do get more of the therapist. Like, she is present in the movie. I don't know about like her personal life or anything, but you could just sense that they had such different perspectives and it didn't feel like there are, there are therapy relationships where a therapist is coming from a completely different place as you, but they use that to challenge you and to kind of push your perspective or, or give you like hopeful outlook of like, actually, what have you thought about looking at it this way? But with this, it just felt more like she's like, I don't really get him. <laughs> like, and not meaning she's a bad therapist, but just she's like, I don't really, I cannot relate to what he's talking about. We'll just let him do his thing. Right. And it's like, I get that this is a comedy. Like, I feel like I'm being really, but it's like, this is such a serious thing that he's dealing with. And I know that it's supposed to be funny, but I spent most of the movie, like, <laughs> honestly, like, like very troubled by his whole thing. <laughs> No, I mean, and I, I think, I do think the movie wanted that. Like, I do yes. think the movie wanted to be funny about some pretty dark, heavy neuroses. Like, that was how I interpreted it. Is like, yeah, yeah. this is like, this movie is actually exploring loneliness and confusion and sexuality in ways that are real. But it is still funny. Like, you're still allowed to laugh. You don't have to cry. Kind of in that space that's hard to pull off the the rom like the rom-com dramedy kind of thing yeah yeah it, yeah romedy romedy so he's like yeah he's like I, I after the therapist scene because that's like the opening is like him talking to his therapist he meets up with writer and meg at the diner that they go to and he's telling them that he's gonna try to date women but i love <laughs> i thought this was really funny and the the movie has a lot of good dialogue like there's a lot of very clever funny dialogue in this movie but he's talking about how he thinks maybe he's not gay he was just socialized to be gay and I love I just love that there was kind of this flipping of that narrative you know yeah (laughs) like and and I felt like this movie pulled that off where he's like yeah I mean people were calling me you know the f word on the playground as a kid so and you know like 
I, I can't remember what example he used. You know, like I like Barbara Streisand. So yeah, like, of course I was raised to be gay, but maybe I'm not gay. And I thought that was funny. And of course his friends are just like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like, you're at Kinsey six. This is not a thing. I love these people like that are in our age group talking about the Kinsey scale. <laughs> like, like everybody knows what their number is. Everybody knows what potential numbers are. It made me feel like, I guess I should do some reading on this because I never think about this at all. <laughs> I know. I like, I feel like I haven't thought about that since like for like 10 years. Yeah, because there was like 10 years ago, people talked about it a lot. Yeah, there was like a movie that like Liam Neeson, when Liam Neeson played Kinsey, and I remember thinking about it then, and then that was like the last time, that was like 2005 or something. So he's lonely. Also, his job is he's a, (laughs) he's a professional house sitter and so he just like drives around LA watches people's houses cleans them organizes their closets and he also has a house like does he live in a I couldn't think is that a house that he lives in I don't I don't think he lives in a house I think he lives in an apartment but I do think he lives alone it's kind of confusing because it's a giant apartment yeah, like 95% of the movie is him house-sitting, so I was very unclear on where he actually lived. Yeah. The- like, I, I, and I mean, I think that was kind of one of the things of the movie is, like, I felt like that added to this element of him not really knowing who he was, is he's not even grounded in a home because his job is taking him all over the city to just, like, live other people's lives. Yeah, and he just, like, doesn't really... Well, the only time that I like I figured, oh, he must live here is when is when Rory moves in, because then like, I mean, she's in all the other houses that he st- he stays at. But then there's one place where they seem to like keep on coming back to. And I guess. That- oh, that's true. Yeah. That must be his house. But yeah, you're right. That place is giant. And even if you are a professional house sitter, you don't make that much money. Like, you don't get paid that, you don't get paid enough to pay a lot in rent. Well, unless you're also watching pets, maybe. But he doesn't really even watch pets, except for one time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it It seems like he just comes for money. So maybe he doesn't even need to work. Maybe he just likes it. I don't know, because when we, I, yeah, I don't know. I would. I would definitely believe that. It could be a situation where his parents are paying his rent, his parents are paying for therapy, and then he does this house sitting, and that's how he, like, you know, pays for food and for going out, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I I guess that that's, I guess that's what the deal is. That's, that's, that's weird. And it's a while, it's a little while before we meet Rory, but Rory's whole thing is that she wants to be an actress and she's like taking like classes and like we see her in like improv classes and theater classes and stuff but she she keeps doing this thing like i'm i'm gonna just give my theory on what the script is trying to do with her and you can just tell me if you agree she's doing this thing where it's like she's afraid of being natural and vulnerable so she performs as if she is in a like 
pre-code like like 20s 30s 40s like kind of like performance and and everyone just seems like really irritated with her all the time for doing it and I guess that's like her fear of like any form of intimacy even like the fake intimacy of like actually being in a scene it's really weird because there's nothing because the stuff that the her antics are kind of funny yeah but the movie makes it seem like they're just that she's just like hiding so then it's like what is like and that her real work will be more honest it's it's strange to me <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. I I definitely read it as she's either in the scenes because she's like in an improv class and then she's in an acting class and obviously improv and acting have a lot of crossover, but there's like two separate people groups that you see her acting around and then you see her go to some auditions. It it definitely feels presented as the her humor is a defense mechanism in the context of acting. I mean, it does, it does feel like the movie frames her humor as a defense mechanism in general at other points. Um, Not because like you can't make jokes, but because she, at moments where she could be honest about her feelings or about her life, she kind of like gets a snarky thing in there. And so I feel like the movie, but that's also something that Todd does. And that's kind of a way that they bond is that they banter and they're not really vulnerable, but they're also oversharing at the same time. They're, yeah, it's very much framed that like she needs to allow herself to be vulnerable to be good at acting, which I mean, I would agree with that as a general assessment. But it's interesting that the movie frames it that way, because it's not like she's in rooms with other people who are knocking it out of the water. <laughs> like, like, that's the thing that's funny to me is she is she does have more charisma than a lot of the other characters she's acting or doing improv around. And maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is, I mean, yeah, maybe the teachers are so hard on her because they know that she has the potential to really make it. And maybe that's why they're just picking on her because the movie, the movie isn't properly split between the two. Yeah. I agree. uh, So so this is like a very Rory is having a very like complicated journey that gets kind of like that we see but it gets really overpowered by Todd's journey and the problem with that is is that Todd has one problem and one problem only and that he is low is that he is lonely whereas Rory is lonely she is afraid of being vulnerable. She, and she also is a sexual assault survivor. And so like, these are like huge things. And so when you compare them to like, what, like the only, the movie does this weird thing too, where it tries to make it seem like they're like both having like equally, like intense journeys and I'm not saying that it's not intense to like trying to reevaluate your sexuality but the way that they make Todd's journey intense just is really extra in my opinion yeah I it's interesting because like the so much of it is about like yeah it's about his identity right and like who am I like if I'm not gay like am I bi am I straight what what am I 
like what like how do I present myself who do I be romantic with how do I not be alone and Rory also has those questions except she doesn't have the sexuality question at least that's it's not presented in the movie but she does have the the trauma and how do you deal with like wanting sex but also dealing with triggers which is a very real thing and then she also has this element of class that Todd's character doesn't have where that we see where she is like going to auditions and running into people that she knew from high school who are like oh yeah I don't have to work at all because my parents support me and I got an agent and like she's getting fired from her waitressing job for being late and like oh my god when she's in the audition with the blonde girl and the blonde girl just completely overacts and she gets the part and Rory doesn't I was just sitting there just like that is some of the craziest shit I've ever seen absolutely absolutely crazy yeah like yeah and you see how it's like uh, Rory doesn't have representation and I think one thing that the movie does really well is capture all these conversational nuances that add up to make you feel like shit And with Rory, one of the things is whenever people find out that she acts, they're like, oh, have I seen you in anything? Oh, who are you represented by? And there's one conversation she has with Meg where Meg's like, oh, have you thought about getting representation? (laughs) Which is just like, (laughs) like, I I feel like I've had so many of those conversations with comedy where people are like, have you thought about doing SNL? And I'm like, oh, my God, kill me. And Rory's just like, she she just jokingly responds and is like, yeah, I've thought about it. obviously I would like that Jesus Christ you know and so I think the movie does a really good job showing that frustration in her life but I agree because she has these multiple things going on she has this existential crisis over like am I even ever gonna break through at all is this acting worth it am I delusional like I'm not connected enough and then she also has being a survivor and figuring out how that fits into dating and sex And then just general loneliness, whereas Todd's character has the loneliness and sexuality piece, but because he doesn't really have the same level of like career aspirations or sexual trauma, I agree. It feels, it feels uneven. That was my long way of saying it feels uneven. Yeah. (laughs) Because like we, it's a movie where we don't actually know what the protagonist needs like we know what he wants which is like companionship but we don't know what he needs he doesn't know what he needs it's hard to know like what where he's going I mean the thing about the rom-com and I feel like male writers like contemporary male writers run into this all the time is that like it's not just about falling in love with someone else it's also about like falling in love with yourself and figuring out who you are And I don't really think that Todd does that. And we don't really get to know him as well as I think we should, just considering how much time we spend with him. And, oh, I I need to get to the other other issue with Todd's storyline. And it's writer. Oh, yeah. This man is a menace. This man, he just spends the entire movie. This is your friend. This is supposed to be your friend. He just spends the entire movie just telling Todd, you're gay. You're gay. Why are you exploring this? You're gay. You're not bisexual. You're not straight. You're gay. And it's just like, okay, 
he has said this multiple times but he's it, it like he just but he just keeps on like ramping it up and he just like gets so he's so aggressive about it that it just like it's 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 kind of like like I wouldn't talk to this person anymore yeah like there's one it really comes to a head in one scene when Ryder is like your internalized homophobia is pushing gay men back and then he goes and I know you're not bisexual. I've dated bisexual men and you're not like, he's basically just like, you are self-hating and you need to figure it out. And my thing is, even if that is true, right? Say that that is true. Say that the whole reason Todd is going through this journey is because he does have internalized homophobia and he doesn't want to be gay because it's hard to be gay. And if that's true, then what he needs is space to figure that out. And, like, support and understanding from other people who know what it feels like to deal with, you know, to deal with uh, stigma and stereotypes and everything. He doesn't need somebody to yell at him and blame him for the fact that the world is hateful or that the world is ignorant. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, even a, like, like, and, and so I felt like it was kind of like writers trauma around coming out, mashing heads with Todd's uncertainty. And that was what I saw was like writers like. I didn't go through all what I went through for you to like waffle. And it's like, well, this isn't your story. This isn't your sexuality. <laughs> and I, I actually, you know, I actually liked that writer was in this movie because I do feel like this dynamic showed a specific thing that happens inside the queer community where, because there's so much personal experience and trauma around coming out and defining yourself, sometimes that gets thrown onto other people and gatekeeps other people's sexualities in ways that aren't actually useful. And so I felt like writer's character yeah. was like a really good example of that. It's like, no, 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 maybe Todd is bi. Why are you mad? <laughs> yeah. It reminded me a lot because it, he also kind of like frames it as like, it's irresponsible for you to date women and like disappoint them and like lead them on as if like dating isn't just a bunch of like trial and error in the first place. It reminded me of, I, God, I mean, hopefully I'm not going to get any flack for this. I do not like, I may destroy you. I like what it was trying to do. I respect it. There are some episodes that I like. One of the things that really bothered me about I may destroy you is there there is a gay character in it who sleeps with a woman and it is treated like this giant betrayal like like he like violated her consent by not telling her that he had slept with men before and just like taking it so personally and i just maybe it's just because like I realized that I liked girls when I was 13 years old and I was just like, this is normal and this is fine. You know, I like guys. I like girls. I like everybody. Um, I like non-binary people. Like, it's like, it's fine. So, so it's just, it's just so weird to like treat it like every relationship is like a test run for long-term commitment and that you have a responsibility to like be absolutely sure when you're fooling around with someone 
which is just it's just not, it doesn't make any sense yeah it doesn't yeah make and sense. i think that is a really interesting thing because i feel like the reaction like the reaction from writer in this and the reaction from the characters in i may destroy you it felt like they were equating going on some dates or sleeping with someone to like marrying someone and secretly like marrying someone when you know that you're gay and like cheating on them the whole time and like lying to them you know, like, those aren't the same thing. Exactly. And that's what it feels like. It's like, yeah. don't lie to this woman. And it's like, well, you're not lying to a woman if you want to hook up. <laughs> now, if you start a relationship and you deny that you are bisexual or that you deny that you're gay and you're trying this out to see if you are, then, yeah, that's not fair to your partner for other reasons. Just the, the just the, like, element of honesty, you know. But, but yeah, yeah, to equate, like, hooking up or exploring with this massive betrayal which is also a complicated thing to unpack because you know a lot of the reason that that happens is because of homophobia is yeah it's a false equivalence and i think a lot of these narratives are very much erasing bisexuality or pansexuality or any non-monosexuality you know it's very much like yeah you're you're lesbian you're straight and it's like well a lot of people are in the middle there (laughs) yeah exactly and i mean like they're like you know I I couldn't stop thinking about Chasing Amy watching this, mostly because, you know, Chasing Amy saw some people writing every once in a while. Chasing Amy is a movie that people on the internet love to, like, get in a fight about every couple months. Like, it's a movie from 1997, and people get so heated. And I get heated just because a person can't, people can't just be like, it was 1997. Evaluate it as something that came out in 1997 and stop giving me a motherfucking headache (laughs) but like a great but a great way to like explain that like it's not as backwards as people pretend like it is is this this whole thing between Ryder and Todd is like very similar to what what Alyssa is going through in that film when her entire community is lesbian women and they make zines and they make comics together and they go out together and and she has to deal with the fact that they feel betrayed by her exploring something with a man. Like, she never says that she is bisexual. She never really, like, yeah. you know, she just falls She just falls in love and she goes for that. And it's like, it is okay for her to try to figure out whether or not she is bisexual. Maybe she's not bisexual. Maybe she just loves this one guy. Or maybe it's like a situation where he's so different. He's so like, cause it's Ben Affleck. So it's like the, like one of the most masculine guys that you can think of. And I don't mean that in an attractive way. Yeah. Oh, yeah <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and so like, yeah, no, he doesn't, he doesn't have, He's not a man where if you are a woman who's into women, you're like, oh yeah, and him. <laughs> like so, it, it like if if she's into him, then okay, what is it that's going on? Yeah, not even not even I like, and I've dated a lot of men in my life. I would never go near Ben Affleck. He's just like a kind of man that just like would exhaust yeah. me. He looks exhausting. He just seems like stressful. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's from Boston, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, like this is like Yeah, I'll leave that there. <laughs> yeah. But it's like it's this idea that like I bring this up because it's just this idea that like exploring 
needs to be labeled and that everyone needs to use the right terminology and like everything like people will say that chasing amy is homophobic and it's like well there are homophobic characters in chasing amy but the movie isn't the movie is actually really apologetic like just basically being like wow we as a society are very binary and it fucking sucks and yeah and so it's like i just i just can't imagine watching that movie and like coming away with the idea that like it's saying that like bisexuality isn't real or that like gay people aren't welcoming or that like straight people and like it's like I just, they just talked like how people talk and they're just trying to figure shit out. Can people figure shit out? Can you like, let it be? Like when Todd is with Rory in this movie, like it's not a situation where he's like disrespecting her. It's not like a, a shake and deep D on love is blind situation where he's like, good, he, like where he's like, he's pretending to be committed, but he's just talking shit everywhere else. So fuck shake over here. We hate shake here. Like it's not like a it's not a situation like that. He's not disrespecting her. He cares about her a lot. There are times when you see him comforting her. When she gets triggered, he comforts her, even though you never see them talk about it. Like he's a good he's a good partner. He's not like being mean to her. He's just like not having sex with her, which is like a problem. No, I mean, it's very clear that Rory and Todd make sense together as some sort of, like, they were going to be close. They were going to be intimate in some way. They were going to be best friends or they were going to date or something. Like, there's nothing forced about it. And that's one of the big strengths for me about their connection. Like, just from the romantic analysis is that they make sense. Like, they banter in a way that's very compatible. It's obvious that they both respect each other's intelligence and that even though both of them feel anxious about vulnerability that they kind of feel safe with each other so I agree it's not like Todd is just like haha look I got a woman let's see how this goes he's like ah she actually connects with me and you know this is cool let's figure it out and I think yeah I think that there is this fear I mean because he also criticizes like his experiences with men because he hasn't really hooked up he's hasn't like had sex with men much he hasn't really had sex he's pretty like his character is OCD and he is really anxious around bodily fluids and so there's also this piece that the movie doesn't really explore but I do kind of wonder if he is um, on the asexual spectrum like you know, like maybe he's aromantic, but like, yeah, I, I I felt like that would have been really interesting. I mean, not that the, the movie doesn't need to name it, but I felt like that was a big piece there too, was him kind of figuring out the space between actually wanting to have sex, who he's attracted to, and who he wants to yeah. have romantic connections with. Yeah, I feel like, I wish the movie was a little bit more interested in that because it bothers me that asexuality really doesn't come up because he can be... Like, he can want romantic partnerships and not want sex. Like, yeah, he can. He can. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like his issue with bodily fluids has never really gotten into it. It's almost like it's convenient from a writing point of view and convenient within the story that he is with a he is with someone who is uncomfortable with being touched because it means that he doesn't actually have to deal with it. And 
And yeah, and it's like, I get that, but it's like, and I think that that's a really like clever story, like in terms of the story writing, but it need they needed to like really dive into that. That was way more interesting than him having the same conversation with Ryder over and over and over again, and the same conversation with his therapist over and over and over again. And then him and Rory spending so much time like trying to like justify their relationship instead of just being in it, which is what we want to see. We want to know like functionally how this works and like it's 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 really glaring in the sense that like she does mention that she is a rape survivor in it she mentions it um she makes a rape joke and in one of her classes and people were like shitty about it she was just like well you know i've actually been raped so shut up um which is something that i have felt so hard so many times shout out to that scene (laughs) i really yeah i loved that scene like where i oh it did such a good job there was this woman who tries to like kind of police rory on the joke she can make and she's like i have a friend who was raped and and like rory is just like okay <laughs> like and the woman's just like lecturing her about how it's insensitive and rory's like yeah yeah i mean i experienced this so i think that's such a really real thing in the movie does a great job of just showing those kinds of moments of like someone else telling you you can't make a joke about something you've been yeah um like what's what's i think so frustrating about this movie is that like i relate a lot to rory especially in the ways that she uses humor to like hide the stuff that she's dealing with and the way you know how she you know just talks her way out of being emotional and vulnerable with people and like we'll get bogged down with like just like weird details and things like she's like trying to lead away like that's all like really interesting stuff oh yeah i completely agree and, like it just makes it even more frustrating that like it seems to me that todd is so like self-involved that he doesn't really like he takes care of her in the ways that he knows how but he doesn't yeah yeah yeah. um so like you know props him for that but like because he's kind of self-centered she's just like going through this shit that he never really has to deal with and yeah, yeah, there's like this, he's so, there's a bit of a Seth Cohen thing almost oh, going yeah. on at points, right? Where he is circling around this one question that is ultimately about himself. And so even though he really does love her and like they they do say that they love each other and like they meet in a library because she thinks he's working there. And then basically from there, they just like spend days together and then they quickly start dating. And most of the movie is just them having conversations with each other. And then a few scenes of them going to parties where Ryder is like, this is bullshit. And Meg is just kind of making jokes. And But most of the movie is just them hanging out. And yeah, it, it's interesting because it's clear that Todd loves her and she loves him. And he is curious about her in a way that I think a lot of people she's been around haven't been. Like they haven't really seen her. But he is still so bogged down in his own analysis that he doesn't really, like, he holds her one time when she cries when they are both going to try to have sex and then they don't because he's, like, because they, they both have very different reasons why. But he, you never see him, like, kind of follow up, you know? And 
it's not made clear whether he really understands why she's crying or if he's just relieved that he doesn't have to be the one to disappoint her, you know, that he, that she's not upset that he's not really trying to have sex. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I'm not saying that the whole movie has to stop for her, but, but you know, there are multiple times, like there's a scene at a party where Meg like gives her a lap dance and she's so uncomfortable that she has to like leave the room. And yeah. And it's like, so it's there, it's in the story, but no one is talking about it. And I really wanted to know, I just wanted like one, one, honestly, one exchange could have done a lot of heavy lifting with this one exchange, you know, uh, between her and Todd, or even, I mean, even if she had said something to Meg or like just something so that we know a little bit more of where she's at. And because one of the things that happens, like how the movie kind of arcs is there's a point where. You know, Rory has been told by Ryder and by Meg, like, oh, he's actually gay, like, be careful. And she kind of just laughs it off. But it's clear that it's bothering her a little. And even though she's not really trying to have sex because it's triggering, it does inspire her to kind of try to initiate. And then, of course, Todd is just like, well, like, our relationship's great without it. And there, there is, like, a scene where they have a whole conversation about how they don't need to have sex. And I really like that scene. Yeah. And again, I think if the movie had been willing to explore the idea of asexuality or or even just like actually naming her trauma, then that scene would have even held more water because it was getting so close to that. But then what happens is Rory hears other people talk about how he's actually gay. And so then she's like feeling insecure and she tries to initiate sex and it just doesn't happen. And then she's just like, I can't do this anymore. And one of the things that's constant throughout the movie is that They don't want kids and like neither of them really want kids or marriage. And so it's like, well, we don't want that stuff. So it's fine if we don't have sex. But then she kind of does this 180 where it's like she's kind of freaked out and she is just like, actually, like, I don't think this is working because I want to have sex and maybe I do want kids. And then he's just like, what? And then they're like in this rapid breaking up thing. And it's not that that wouldn't happen. That is something that could happen. But I think this is a situation where we as the viewers, we're missing a lot of information about her. So we, I personally didn't understand, like, if she meant that I, or not. Yeah. You I, know, like, was that coming out of her anxiety or was that actually how she felt? Yeah, it's really hard to know. It seems like, and it's also hard to know, because like, because there nobody really talks about it. Nobody knows, like, when the assault happened and like we also don't know if she's ever had sex we we don't know that either and so and also like we don't get to meet anyone in her life she's constantly talking on the phone to someone but i don't know who that who is she talking to i mean she's leaving she's leaving messages nobody's actually talking to her i i thought they were for her brother because at one point she talks about how her brother pretty much raised her but then he has been dealing with addiction and kind of MIA. So I assumed it was her brother, but it could have been. Oh, her yeah. Mom. Yeah, maybe it was. But it's like she's constantly leaving messages, which, you know, if you're thinking about this in like script terms, it makes sense because it's like giving us information about her. But because no one talks back to her, it's hard to confirm anything about her. Like she could be like she is really like a mystery. Like by the end of the movie, she's like a mist. She's still a mystery. Like, what does she, what does she want? What does she like? What is her sexuality? Like, these are all things that we don't know by the end of the movie. And, 
And it's like, I, I wonder if it's like a situation where someone wrote a screenplay and like on paper, you know, it's really, really thoughtful, strong work. But in practice, you're telling a lot, but you're not showing us anything. And yeah, so we have this like, and I mean, oh, I didn't even mention, you know, it's it's shot really well. Great composition. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful movie, like visually, really, really beautiful. you know, everybody's everybody's acting well. like it's a very well made film. And for our first feature, like it's like, really, really impressive. Um, but yeah, it's a situation where like, it's a very talky script. And talky scripts are, you know, they're my jam. I love them. But you need to show us something. And I almost feel like in the writing process, because it's weighted so heavily towards Todd, it was harder for the director to realize that there was so much more to mine when it came to Rory. There was like so much. Yeah. And like the way it ends is really confusing to me. I would love to hear your take. But, you know, they have this big breakup. And then, like, he goes back to his therapist, and he's like, I think I actually am gay. But then the therapist is like, well, like, would you want to be with a man if he had the same personality as Rory? And Todd is like, yeah. And then it's weird. It's like, maybe I just was not paying the right attention as a viewer. But it was confusing to me because it was kind of like, he's like, actually, I'm gay. And then he's like, wait, but no, I'm not because she's the person. So then she's like, I can't like I think she moves. She for... she gets a job in Seattle because they're in like they're in like okay. LA. And she gets a job in Seattle and just decides okay, you know, acting isn't working out and this relationship isn't working out and I'm broke so I gotta go because yeah I guess she's like living on his dime the whole time which I did appreciate how he's how he's not a dick about that and. And, and oh yeah no he's like and you also see her like she doesn't talk about it a lot but you also see her like deal with that like she's clearly not okay with it or like yeah or yeah she's like uncomfortable with it like well that's one of the things during the breakup where she's like I can't just play house with you and like you know I have to figure out what I want and who I am and and so she's like going to like the first day of her job and he shows up and he has hired people to like play he music. Has, so this is very classic rom com. He, he kind has of a trope. fucking flash mob behind him. It's crazy. He has a flash mob and he's like proposing to her and he's just like talking about how, you know, life makes more sense with her in it. I would say, like, and I think the movie obviously did this on purpose. Like, most of the movie dialogue feels very original, it feels very much like James Sweeney. The writer and director has a tone and he is establishing it. And I think he's establishing it really, really well, especially for a first feature. But this is where it's like, hey, this is a rom-com. You know, this scene is like, this is a rom-com. So he's like doing the speech and she, you know, you can't really read her face here because it's clear that she's conflicted. Like part of her is kind of comforted to see him again. Like she missed him, you know, her life, life is scary and lonely, but at the same time, she doesn't want to move backwards. And how I read it is that she's like, I can't move backwards. I have to figure out what's next. And so she basically rejects him. And then they had that thing where it would be like that, that game where you're trying to get someone to smile. So they play that game and he's just like, give me just one little smile. And that's how the movie ends is her giving him a smile after rejecting him. And I, I don't know. It's interesting because I like, I like movies that dare to not end with people together. 
um, especially when it feels clear that the characters maybe shouldn't end up together ultimately in the long term. But it was a confusing ending for well, me. Well, also, the whole movie has been about his him figuring out what who he is, and then it feels like he just kind of back like got confused again at the well, end. Well, I mean, it's there's also the factor that he actually does end up with someone in the end, and she doesn't. You know, the scene at the end where they're playing. Did you? Oh, and he's. Wait, I must have. Yeah. Oh, this. yeah. What? You must have. You must have stopped after the like the give me the smile. But there's actually a scene right after that, <laughs> um, where, where like, and it's like clearly it's supposed to be like, oh no, did they did they get back together? It's like they're playing a game at a table. Um, I think they're at Todd's place, and it's just them across the table from each other, and you're like, oh shit, are they back together? Fuck. And then a guy shows up and sits in the middle of them. And like, it's very clear that Todd is dating this guy and that she is just like his friend. Um, yeah. Um, it's, it's a weird ending because like, I mean, to, to go back to the proposal, I think it was, he's in therapy and he's like realizing that he's gay, but then his therapist is like, you know, she's essentially just like the connection that you have with Rory, you know, is like, you know, it's not something to be like sneezed at. Like, it's like, you know, it's like important. It's like, you know, essentially like this is a significant relationship in your life. And I think once again, it's like a miscommunication between the two of them because they don't really know how to communicate well, where she's where she's basically trying to say this person should be in your life, but you like also are like not attracted to this person. You have to deal with that. And his And I think he just decided I need her in my life. And it doesn't matter that I'm not attracted to her because we have so much other stuff going for us and I'm just going to do it. It's like he has like a quick like backslide because, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, he's sad that she's gone, but he's also losing a friend. And it also means that he has to figure his shit out by himself. And so there's just like a bunch of other stuff happening. So yeah, I find the proposal to be like really like desperate. And I think that... Um, there was a better ending in there yeah i mean i think like if you want to keep the the very rom-com trope of the like him showing up with the flash mob it could be that he does kind of a proposal but like will you be my friend (laughs) you know like hey i really want to be friends with you still i think that that could have worked given what their characters are like i think she would have been open to that yeah i think that i think that that would have been i think that that would have been better because then when you get to like the end end it's like okay so he just gets a guy and she just like like it like yeah like what happened yeah but like (laughs) what happened like what's going on with her trauma like it's it's like a really like miscalculation of what it is that we care about like I feel like the movie like and I don't know if it's trying to do this intentionally but it seems like the movie expects us to just care about him and only really care about her in relation to him but she's so compelling and I just don't know if they just didn't realize it or what, that she doesn't even get an ending to her story. (laughs) She's just like, it's like, okay, well, they're friends again. 
cool, but what about her job? Is she still, what about her acting? What about like all of these other things? It's really, I think the ending, cause like so much of this movie, I think is really solid in terms of like filmmaking. It's like a cut above a lot of the movies that we talked about here, but like that ending just felt like a big miscalculation for me. And that was when I like texted you and I was like, I feel like we should talk about this because this is great. Because I, and I also wanted like to know that I wasn't overreacting. Like this is weird, right? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm glad that you recommended this movie because like we've said, I really liked it. And I really hope that James Sweeney makes more movies because the fact that this is his first, just, I feel like I would love to see what he continues to make, but also, yeah, this this part fell off for me, and I wanted a lot more about Rory. And I wouldn't want more about Rory if she wasn't well-written yeah. to a point, right? Like, I wouldn't care if if she wasn't well-written and acted to a point where it was like, okay, where where's the rest of this? Yeah, man. Really love Katie Findlay. Like, so... Yeah, She's and, great. I mean, so for this movie, I mean, you should definitely watch it because it's definitely worth watching. And you know, you can look at the ending and see how you feel about it, or you know, the whole thing. And you, but if you, but if you don't want to watch this movie, or you watch this movie and you want to see more Katie Finley, I would say definitely watch Man Seeking Woman. I mean, you could just watch season three if you want to. But you should really just watch the whole thing. It's really. It's really interesting. I think that it gets at a lot of, like, I mean, of course, the main character in that one is straight, but it gets at a lot of, like, male anxiety about dating that I actually found, like, interesting. Like, I felt like I understood men a little bit better (laughs) by the end of it. Hey, okay. That's a good, I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, yeah, it's It's very quick. It's like, yeah, it's. It's good. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here, listeners, uh, per usual, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We love we love positive reviews. If you have positive things or stars to say or give, we have a Patreon with lots of bonus episodes. We cover How I Met Your Mother, The O.C., Young Adult Movies, Erotic Thrillers. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordan Searles. Bye. Bye. Uh, yeah, back it up, back it up. Uh, uh, yeah, let's go this trip.